Welcome to Romans Untangled, a podcast where we take a seemingly difficult book of the Bible and untangle it so that we can enjoy its beauty. Season 4, Episode 6, Can't We All Just Get Along? Romans 14, the entire chapter. In Christ, we are free. Free from the penalty of sin, free from the power of sin, free from the law which condemns us. But what about using our freedom on disputable matters? These issues in the past were things like dancing or card playing, going to movies or or working on Sundays. And we don't wrestle with those things as much anymore. But now those things have shifted a little bit, like the use of alcohol or the way that we use our money for personal vacations and pleasures, how how and what we watch on our TVs, how do we navigate these tough issues? This is exactly what our study of Romans will lead us to in this week's edition of Romans Untangled. Hey, everyone. Glad you're joining us. Pastor Steve Treichler here of Hope Community Church. want to welcome you to Romans Untangled. I hope it's not your first stop here, but if it is, welcome to the last few episodes. I think we have four or five left. For the whole the whole series, it will be over here. I'm sitting here right now in my multi-dollar studio with my $71 microphone on my pool table with the sequence box holding it up so it can be close to my mouth. My Wonder Beagle, Dakota, is always nearby, and uh, perhaps you have heard her a few times. She will every now and then get up, look at me, and kind of shake her head, and it'll jingle her dog tags. (laughs) Once in a while, I go back and scrub it out and re-record that, but sometimes I just leave it in. And I wonder sometimes if it's something I'm saying, and she just shakes her head and says, no, 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 you got it totally wrong. So anyway, you're here with me and Dakota the Wonder Beagle. Hey, last week we looked at a fantastic passage. It was uh, Romans 13, 8 through 15. Excuse me, 8 through 14. I had a typo there. Uh, it, it it starts off, I just want to read the first and the last verse and just remind you of kind of where we where we were at in that episode. It said, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. And we went to spend some time just talking about that phrase, fulfilling the law. But we also really wanted to really hone in on this idea of really the point of the passage is to love one another and to really move towards one another and to do it in a kind and a gentle and a uh, a way that wants their best. And remember I said, uh, even even then we, we want to go into looking at how we want people's best and oftentimes that means correcting them. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. I quoted Robert or Proverbs 9, 8 and and uh, in my own life that, you know, my lovely wife today corrected me on something and I was wrong. And I, I, I felt, I felt just bl- blessed and it was humbling and you feel stupid, but at the same time, you're just grateful that they felt the freedom to bring that to your attention. That's really love. That's love. That's hard. It's hard to do those kind of things. And yet our attitude is one of we're okay in Jesus and we can hear these things. It end the passage ends And it's kind of a summary of how we live now. And it says, verse 14, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. 
And we just talked about what clothing meant. Clothing meant to be consumed and to have yourself wrapped in this. And this is now the way you present yourself, the way you think about yourself. You're clothed in this. It's it's like a physical something around you that that uh, defines you and makes you. And so that's what we try to do here. We try to clothe ourselves with Jesus and not to think about gratifying the desires of the flesh. Okay, now, this week, shifting gears are a little bit, we, a little bit different. Going to a passage which oftentimes in your Bibles will have the heading, the weak and the strong, something like that, Romans 14. We're actually going to do the entire uh, section. We're going to do all of Romans 14. There's kind of two parts to it too, but it really does follow the same theme. And in fact, next week, what we look at in the beginning of Romans 15 kind of also follows the theme, but hones in the issue, I think, a little bit more with the Jew and Gentile issues happening in the church in Rome. But this week, it can be a little bit more uh, broad than that. And so let's, I'm going to read through the passage. It's a long passage. Uh, obviously, we're reading the whole chapter. And so it is 23 verses. But if you, if you have your Bible with you, open it up. Uh, this week, again, I'm going to read from the NIV. Uh, one of the reasons I have shifted here and using more of the NIV is just uh, in, in the beginning, some of the exact word and phraseology are very important for some theological concepts, and, and they probably still are to some degree. But the reality is at this point in time, we've gotten most of those theological matters kind of taken care of, and now we are just looking at the outflowing of that. How then do we live, so to speak? And uh, it's not quite as important to you know, have the exact words that were used in the uh, original language. So here we go. Romans 14, New International Version. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dives for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. 
If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean. But it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. Okay, long passage there, a great passage, really encouraging. Again, what he's he's doing here is he's fleshing out this whole thing about what does it mean to actually love each other in community. And then here he's specifically talking about the community in the church. Now, I want to lean over again. I'm the last few uh, uh, podcasts here, I've been leaning into Douglas Moo. I really do like, I'm reading from his little He's got a little uh, commentary here. It's called Encountering the Book of Romans. It's probably, I don't know, boy, maybe 150 pages or whatever, paperback. It's wonderful. And he's going to lean in on like who exactly are this weak and this strong person? Like what's uh, what's going on here? And let me, let me just start with a quote from him, which I think is, is really helpful. He says, the best solution is to think that the weak were influenced by a Jewish tradition of asceticism based on the Torah. Uh, let me just break for a second. Asceticism means you abstain from things and especially probably pleasurable things. And that was something that was based on the, the Torah. The Torah, the law of Moses, the, the, the Old Testament in particular, but really just the five books of the Bible, does not forbid eating meat or drinking wine. However, many Jews living in the midst of a pagan culture decided to avoid eating meat because they could not be sure that meat sold in the marketplace had been slaughtered and prepared in accordance with the requirements of Moses. For similar reasons, they would often refrain from drinking wine, for wine was association with libation to the gods and was prepared in ways that might also violate Jewish kosher rules. The best biblical example of this tradition comes from the book of Daniel. Immersed in the pagan culture of the Babylonian capital, Daniel, quote, resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, Daniel 1.8. And of course, Jews followed the law in observing the weekly Sabbath and prescribed feasts. Okay, so... Most likely here, we're leaning in here that this is what some of the issues are. You remember in the church in Rome, we have Jews and Gentiles, and they're going to approach culture very differently. The Gentiles were part of the the the, the uh, culture of um, the pagans, and for them to come out of it meant different things for the Jews who viewed themselves already separate from uh, the culture but now as Christians, they're like, well, wait a minute. Do we do we not keep the things we were doing before? I think we do. We keep those things, 
but we also follow Christ, right? And so they have different backgrounds here. We'll get into that in a little bit. Martin Luther has said it well. He kind of summarizes this whole passage, and I think it's a wonderful way of, of saying it. He says, a Christian man is the most free Lord of all and subject to none. A Christian man is the most dutiful servant of all and subject to all. <laughs> and he's playing both those things. You're completely free, but that freedom allows you now to be a servant and actually subject yourself, submit yourself to all. And that's what this passage is about. How are we going to live in a culture? How are we going to live in a church? How are we going to deal with some of the disputable issues we might have? How are we going to keep the bond of peace in our churches? And this is the key to it. What does love look like here? And that's where uh, the the uh, Apostle Paul is going at. Now, where he's going to get, or where he's going to kind of talk about, in there, I'm, I'm going to divide this into two sections. The first is going to be the first 12 verses. And then the second part is 13 to the end of the chapter. Okay, in the first part of this, he's basically saying, do not judge those whose theology is different than yours, especially in regard to customs and what we deem to be okay or not okay, right? And uh, so that's what the first half is going to be. In fact, he's going to lean into it in verse 3. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge, or it's the same kind of concept here, treat with contempt the one who does. Okay, and that's the deal. That Paul is saying, okay, listen, it's okay for you to, um, you to hold what you hold and to live where you live. And at the same time, uh, we're going to have to really accept each other's differences here on this. And what we're not, though, going to do is force our viewpoint on these things on each other. This comes to like Sabbath keeping, whether you should eat the meat in the marketplace, uh, whether, you know, what, whether you just go to an all vegetable diet. Uh, and, and in our case, it would be, you know, the use of alcohol, say. Some people would say that is, that's sinful. And others would say, no, actually, Jesus changed water into wine and that's okay, but what what the the line of sin is the line that says don't get drunk with wine because it gets controlling, but the actual use of wine is a good thing. Okay, it's a it's a fine thing. It's okay. So are we going to divide over that issue? Well, Paul says no. We are not going to divide after that issue. We are going to hold on to what we hold as our freedom or that something we're giving up and we're not going to do, but we're not going to then judge the others and listen. Judging others is fun. It is just flat out fun. It's so fun to see someone who's stupider than you because it makes me feel good. What a moron. What an idiot, right? And it's fun for me. So judging is I wake up every day and I am constantly wanting to judge others. Okay. We don't want to judge ourselves though. You know, I'm don't judge me because, you know, I got reasons why I do what I do. But you, you're an idiot, right? And that's just constant. Realize that's the human heart. That's default. And the Apostle Paul wants to go out and say, listen, if you're going to live in community, if you're going to live in the church, if the church is going to be a countercultural place, then the rest of society, we got to lay that down. We got to love one another. We got to accept one another. We got to move towards them now. When he goes into this, he says in verse 10, I'm going to kind of skip through a few things here. We aren't, don't have time to go through every single verse, but he says, you then, why do you judge your brother 
or sister. And he's talking here to two groups. And he lists those groups as the weak. And then he's going to lean into it. He's going to make it clear, especially when you get in the next section, the strong. And the weak and the strong, it's a very interesting, it's an interesting way of saying it because it makes you think, well, One's better than the other, right? And therefore, the strong should kind of judge the weak, and the weak should get stronger. And and in one sense, that's actually true. But even if you just put it as, like in this case, it maybe fell on uh, Jew versus Gentile lines. But even if you just put it as, say, a newer Christian versus someone who's been a believer a long time, and you still have to give grace to that newer Christian just because of the things they're, they're, they're learning. They're just kind of getting going in all of this. Douglas Moo is super helpful here, again, in realizing who is this, who are these people, okay? And let me let me go through this. I thought this was super helpful. He says, a correct estimation of the problem that Paul is addressing must recognize the fact, must recognize the exact significance of the phrase, the one whose faith is weak. A more literal rendering would be the one who is weak with respect to faith. Almost certainly, this does not mean a Christian who does not have much faith. In verse 2, Paul refers to the person whose faith allows them to eat anything, as opposed to the one whose faith is weak, who only eats vegetables. In other words, the issue is not who has the most faith. The issue is who thinks that his or her faith lets him or her do this or that. The strong, on the other hand, thought that their faith did not did give them the right to, for instance, eat meat and drink wine. An important, though not decisive, factor in where a Christian landed in these two, two groups is the way one was raised. Undoubtedly, the weak in faith were mainly Jewish in background. They had been taught since birth that they must avoid certain practices in order to maintain their religious identity, especially as that identity was severely challenged by the overwhelmingly pagan environment in which they lived. It is no wonder that they found it difficult to discard some of their rituals when they became Christians. Nor, Paul implies, do they need to. He finds nothing wrong with the Jewish Christian who wants to continue to express his or her piety by following all the rules of the Torah and of Jewish tradition. What he does object to is the tendency of the weak in faith to criticize other Christians for not following their practices. And a little bit later in his book, he says the weak in faith are those who is, it's a theological weakness or it's a theological immaturity. In other words, yes, Paul is going to say later on that he himself doesn't you think there's nothing wrong with all kinds of meat? And believe me, as a Jewish person, uh, an observant Jewish person, he would have thought that. So there's something that happens in the Apostle Paul that he changes and he becomes in the strong category. Think of it this, mature, stronger, understanding of the grace of God, right? However, he doesn't demand that people eventually graduate to that or or whatever. He is going to say that some people here are going to keep Sabbath. Other people's are not. And uh, you're not under that command as law anymore. In fact, the Sabbath was intended eventually, we find out in the book of Hebrews, to be a way that we say we rest from our works so that we, salvation is from grace. It's not from works. And so Sabbath is actually an analogy to show us who rest 
from our works. And yet at the same time, it's just wisdom to take time off and to take a day. Some people take Saturday. In my case, because I work on uh, the weekends, I take Fridays. It's a day when you just try not to do work and you rest from it. That's not a bad thing, but it's also not a law. It's, It's not like thou shalt do this. And Paul has a real problem with people who make laws into things and are condemning them for do it for others who don't follow certain things. So that leads us here um, to why he says, don't judge your brother or sister. The reason is, is that we're going to stand before God in his judgment seat. Verse 12 says, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. That's, you know, we're going to give an account. Now, a lot of people are like, whoa, 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 wait, now we read Romans, we're okay in Jesus, Jesus covered our sin, we're in Christ, I'll stand before the judgment seat with you, unified with Christ. Yes, it's true. But the questioning is going to go first to me, and I'm going to have to give an account, and I, there, I'm going to have to say things. And, and, and yeah, there'll be things that I have to say I flat out did wrong. And one of the big ones here is, did I destroy? And he'll, we'll talk about that in the next section here. But did I judge and did I condemn and did I cause people undue harm by demanding that they either, uh, some of the restrictions that maybe I've put on my own life, I demand that they do them, or some of the freedoms that they have, I demand that they do them. And he says, Am I, are, you, are you really destroying others? And do you really love them? Do you care for them? You want their very best, and are you accepting here on these disputable matters, right? That's what he's getting at here. Yes, but hear me. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. This is not a, uh, uh, this accounting is not for salvation. It's just an accounting that I will give. A lot of people talk about there being two different judgments. Uh, I, I look at it as one judgment, <clears throat> but I will have to give an account. Christ will give an account. We're considered one entity and therefore, we will be found uh, righteous in his sight because of Christ. But I will still have to give an accounting. We shift now to the second part, verse 13. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, <clears throat> that nothing is unclean in, a, in and of itself. Right? So the second thing here is don't destroy others by flaunting your freedom. <clears throat> and the people who are reading this letter, primarily, Paul is most likely going to put into the strong category because this is going to kind of lean in and rebuke the strong people. And the reality is, if you get the concepts of the book of Romans, your theology and you're holding on to them, your theology becomes strong. It just does. It doesn't excuse you. It doesn't make you better. It just means that you now understand the use of law, the use of the Old Testament in the life of the Christian better. And so uh, Paul here is saying that you you now have been given this freedom, but don't use that freedom as a way to And he goes on to even say in verse 15, do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. He says previously, if you do that, if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for who Christ died. That's quite a phrase, right? Destroying them. Wow. Okay. And he goes on to verse 20, he says, well, let me, let me quote verse 19. He says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. 
Just think about it. God's working in people's lives, and he's saying, don't destroy that because you just have to be right. I'm right on this. Right? I'm going to lean one more time into Douglas Moo. He says, he rebukes the strong for having a selfish attitude in the way they use their liberty in Christ. Paul affirms the reality of that liberty. Verse 14, he says, it's true. No one, he implies, can take it away from us. But that liberty must be used in light of a more important consideration, love. The strong in Rome are ignoring the spiritual problems of their brothers and sisters as they flaunt their liberty before them. Their unconcern has the potential of doing real and lasting spiritual harm to their weaker brothers and sisters. Our liberty in Christ, a precious blessing, should be used instead to serve brothers and sisters. Wow. That just breaks my heart to hear that. And I know that I'm, I I don't want to, again, I don't want to judge others because I'm sure I've done this. Their unconcern is the potential of doing real harm and lasting, real and lasting spiritual harm to their weaker brothers and sisters. Oh Lord, please help us, right? Please help us. I'm reminded of a story that I heard about a missionary who came back from the field. And the reason that they came back from the field of, of the number one reason why people come back from the mission field is they can't get along with other missionaries. Bar none, I've seen this and I've heard this and it's a clear, clear stat. And a lot of it is over disputable matters. One missionary came back and, and they said, why did you come back? And they said, peanut butter. <laughs> and you have to stop them and go, wait, now what? And they described the story like this that there was a, a, a family that had went to this particular part of the, of the world before them. And in so doing, you know, you cannot take everything when you go with you on the mission field. You have to lighten up and you have to travel light and you might be moving around and you're going to live in smaller quarters and all that. And so the family went through and as a family, they had decided there were things that they were going to give up. And one of those things was just peanut butter. They loved peanut butter, but, you know, it just was hard to get. And in this country, they didn't, they didn't, you had to get it from the United States and get it shipped and it'd be expensive and all that. And they said, you know what? For the sake of the gospel, we're going to give up peanut butter. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. Give up everything. You know, it's fine. The problem then is it became not just that they gave up peanut butter, but then that it became like a law to them that they should be, Christians should give up peanut butter. And so when this new missionary couple came in there and they loved peanut butter, and in fact, they had care packages sent from their family. And one of the first times in meeting, they said, oh yeah, man, we love peanut butter. And in fact, we are going to, uh, we have kind of a monthly thing where we're going to get sent from our family peanut butter. The other family just judged them and said, you're not really committed to Christ. (laughs) I mean, the new people were like, you, what, What, what's happening here now? Is this over peanut butter? Yes. They were dead serious. Like, you have to give that up. Because in their family, it meant a lot that they had decided to give this up. You see how subtle that is? It's one thing for me to say, I'm giving this up. And then and then when I give it up, then, then I need you to give it up. Because what's wrong with you? Because you didn't. And that's exactly what Paul's talking about here. If you've decided to do something, you know, some people I know practice uh, uh, during Lent, they they take the 40 days and they fast from something, whatever it is, media, social media, 
Uh, some people fast from any kind of uh, screens except what they have to do for work. Some people fast from from meat. They fast from alcohol. They fast from all kinds of things, right? But how quickly that becomes, and I'm going to judge those who don't. Oh, man, you, you're still looking at social media? What's wrong with you? It's Lent, <laughs> right? And that is incredibly easy to do. And that's what Paul's getting at here. Are we going to be people who are so committed to the gospel that we just say, I need to accept and love you exactly the way you are? And I might challenge you on the way you are, but I'm certainly going to accept you, and especially when it comes to disputable matters. I hope this has been helpful. Man, what a great passage. I feel like we just scratched the surface. We're going to kind of continue this discussion uh, next time when we go into uh, Romans 15. 1 to 13. We have four podcasts left, not only in the season, but in the entire series at Romans uh, Untangled. We're going to look at how Jews and Gentiles wonderfully can be wonderfully together in the church. Have a great week. We'll see you next time on Romans Untangled. Romans Untangled.